Hi, everyone. Welcome to this new episode of the Players' Lounge, the tennis podcast that focuses on the mental aspect of the game. My name is Jennifer McGinn. I am a former professional tennis player, and I launched this podcast because I wanted to create a space in which tennis players could find tools and solutions in order to improve their mental skills. But this podcast is not only for tennis players. It is also for parents and coaches whose ambition is to help their kids and players to reach their full potential. If you are a regular listener of the Players' Lounge, thank you so much for your support. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. And at the end of the episode, if you like what you heard, I would really appreciate if you could share this episode with a friend or family member, subscribe, leave a comment and five stars on Apple Podcasts, um, subscribe on Spotify, it will really help me to increase the tennis, the Players' Lounge community and to increase the podcast visibility. But if you're not on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, no worry, we got you. We are also on Deezer, Google Podcasts, iCast, Amazon Prime, I mean, everywhere. Ashley Body last week shocked the world by announcing that she was retiring at 24, at 25, while being number one in the world, only a few weeks after winning the Australian Open. It was quite surprising, but when you actually think about it, I'm a bit late to the, to the body to, to comment on it, but I really wanted to take some time to, to reflect on that decision and to, and to think and, and, to, um, and to reflect on what it means for, for tennis, because Ashley Bardi's retirement, when you, when you start analyzing it, it's not such a surprise. But I, I wanted to also ask a question. Is it the end of long careers for tennis players? And that's what I want to talk about on this um, episode. How do you stay motivated and performing at the highest level in the long run? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Again, let's talk about first uh, Ash Barty's decision to retire. It was quite interesting to, to watch a press conference with Casi de Lacqua first and then the next day with the press because she seemed very happy about the decision. There's no question that she's completely aligned with the decision. And, and when people say that, oh, she's just gonna have a kid, get married and then come back. I don't think so, to be honest. I don't think that she will be back. And uh, when we dig a bit more in, in Ashley bodies, first of all, the situation is not a first. She was not the first player to retire at such a young age while being at the top. Bjorn Borg did it before at 26, but he was completely, he was more depressed. and. Jutine Nan did the same also when she was number one in the world. She decided to retire and she came back after for, for a few years. But, you know, so, they, so she's not the first one. But I think that she's the first one to do it and, uh, while being so happy and so comfortable with herself. She, she said that she was just mentally tired and that she was drained and she, she, didn't, have this, she didn't have anything left in her. And a coach said something very interesting in the press conference because he said that when she won Wimbledon, she told him, okay, can I retire now? 
And that was quite, that's something that you, I mean, don't say when you, when you win the, the Grand Slam of your dreams and, and you know, you, you, you're on your way to be a new number one in the world, but would you retire? That sounds a bit odd, but actually it really isn't. And then she said that she just wanted to retire after that, but then they found another challenge, a bigger one, which was winning the Australian Open. And that's the home slam. And what a nice way to retire. And it was really interesting to watch her because doing this Australian Open because she definitely was on a mission. And but it was it was funny also because when you watch the US Open, uh, sorry, the Australian Open, it was it was very telling that she was more relieved than happy. Of course, I could have never guessed that she was going to retire a few few weeks later, but I just felt that okay, she won a slam and then was kind of strange reaction of course she was happy but there was like this this scream that she, she had at the end of relief it was it was it was quite a moment to to just catch that and, and then you know now she's she's fine and she's free to do whatever she wants and then she said okay well you know I'm, I'm ready to move on I'm ready to do other things and uh and it's not something that is like I said new for Ashley Body. she retired when she was 18 because she just wanted to, um, to do something else. She didn't like tennis anymore. And then when she, she liked it again, she, she came back. And when uh, the pandemic uh, started, she, she decided to stay home. When the, the, the tour started again, she didn't come back. She preferred to stay because she didn't want to stay away from home for too long. So we've seen over and over that she always put a mental health and happiness first, regardless of the status, regardless of the, the, you know, what people would say. She always made sure that she was doing what was best for her. And that's why I have massive respect for her because she, it's very hard to, to do that, especially when you're number one in the world. People expect you to do things, but she just said, you know what, I'm going to do me. And that's it. Just go and, and nag another player because this is not going to be me. And that's, again, that show a great, great strength, um, mental strength and a lot of, you know, uh, character. I, I can say nothing but just happy retirement, Ashbody, and, uh, and enjoy the party. Okay, I, I stopped with the joke. But definitely, I mean, really, that's, that's all we can wish her for and only wish her the best. And... Again, I, I talked about how she said that after Wimbledon, she just wanted to retire and that, you know, Wimbledon was a dream, a uh, tennis dream. And I think that a lot of times when you reach your dream, which whether for the, for the players, whether it is for, it is about winning a Grand Slam, winning your favorite Grand Slam, reaching number one in the world, there is a very natural loss of motivation because there's this feeling of emptiness that you feel because you reach your goal the one you've been training for years and then what's next after that and and a lot of players have discussed about how they they feel that that I don't know euphoria for a few seconds but that's it and then there's nothing after I mean I'm not saying that it's terrible but it's just that okay once you reach that goal what is next and how do you remain motivated? Andy Murray was very open about it. He said that when he 
made it to number one in the world in 2016. After that, he lost he lost a bit of his motivation, and uh, he, and we saw that he struggled a bit, like especially in the, the start of 2017 with the results. And and I think that this is something that is quite frequent for for tennis players. And so what we really want to discuss is how um, what's happening and and how we can get the the players to to remain motivated for for a longer time and then you know and for the long for the long term first of all i think that what's happening with ashley Barty is not just an isolated case but it's a new trend we've been so used to see players like the big three or the williams sister to have careers that lasted 15 years, 20 years, and be at the top for, for that long. Not just being sticking around on tour to be actually winning Grand Slams year after year after year after year after year. That we, as a tennis community, came to believe that this is the norm and that every single player who aspired to be number one should um have this mentality to to be on top for like 20 years but I, I think that again as a tennis community we need to understand that this what those tennis legends have been doing is exceptional and this is not the norm because we see we see a lot of um former players or people you know criticizing the the newcomers when they have a good result and then they have they're not regular with the result right now i mean um, everyone is is on top of uh, emma Raducanu saying that how that how like horrible of a person she is because she's living a little and that you know after winning the grand slam she should be like so much more motivated she should be winning every matches that uh she's signing contracts and that it's terrible and blah 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 okay first of all and I'm not here to defend Emma Raducanu. I don't think that she needs me to, to defend her. She, she actually had to go and address that on social media. And to be honest, if I were her, I would have never even you know, bothered because you know she signed a contract with Porsche. So people got upset because she lost first round in Miami. But the truth is what happened with the COVID pandemic is that people starting to realize that there, are, there is more to work in life and they want to just, they don't want to build their lives around work anymore. They want to spend more time with their family. They want to do other things. They, they want to enjoy themselves more. And we, we had this global ex existential crisis during the COVID, during the COVID pandemic where we starting to ask ourselves, what's the point? What are we doing? And for some reason, some people believe that tennis players just are immune to that feeling. And I think it's wrong because this is the same for everyone. Everyone now wants to do different things. We have so many more options than it was 15 years ago. Of course, people are going to want to use those options. And I'm saying, of course, they need, they need um, a balance, but there's also a need from the, from the 
the coaches, the people to understand that people are not going to stick around for 15 years. They're going to come, maybe win Grand Slams, do something, and then move on to another career. Yes, this is what's going to happen. And, and people have to deal with it. I really think this is the end of those 20 years career where you're on top. So for sure, the, the 21, 20 Grand Slams record are safe because no one is going to do, to do that ever again. This is finished. And um, so instead of bashing tennis players for having a life, I think that what's interesting is to, for coaches and for the tennis community is to understand how we are going to implement this and how, what are the things that we need to do to make sure that people stay involved in the game the longest. Because if we keep pushing people away, telling them that they're horrible because they're not uh, fully committed and obsessed with tennis 24 seven, people are just going to stop playing and, and going to say that, you know, their, their mental health is suffering because that's what's happening because they're being bullied. For coaches, it's going to be interesting because now they're going to have to, to play a different role. Um, a couple of weeks ago, it was my, my niece's birthday and uh, a tennis coach bought a, a present for, for a birthday and I was telling my sister, wow, this is very nice. I, I'm pretty sure that if I put a million bucks in, and I put all my, my coaches and ask them, okay, the, the first one was able to, to tell me when my birthday gets the prize. I'm pretty sure that my money would be really safe. I mean, I don't have a million bucks, not yet at least, but you get the idea because they had no idea what was outside the court. And again, I'm not here to, to bash tennis coaches because I think that's the way it was 15 years ago when I was still playing. It was really about the court, not outside. While today we have understood that tennis players are human beings. And then if you really want to get the best out of a player, you also need to understand them, how they are as a person, because you've got to understand what truly motivates them where they're coming from, the background, how you can relate to their stories and create a bond and trust. So you help them to reach their full potential. You need to have the full picture. And, and I think that's going to be very important for coaches to, to make sure that they develop tennis players, but they also develop human beings. I've, I've talked about this in, in several episodes, but I think this is something that, you know, always it's good to, to, um, to repeat because um, that's, to me, very crucial. And the same for parents. I know that a lot of tennis parents don't know what to do and, and they sometimes they, they struggle because they think, okay, they have to just be only thinking about tennis. I mean, this, this whole myth about how you need to, to breathe, eat and sleep tennis. But this is, this is very a risky move because what happens when you're your child is fully committed and doesn't do anything else and then doesn't have results. Well, he or she feels like crap. How do I know? I've, I was that person. It's nothing worse than doing anything, not allowing yourself anything and then seeing your friends having fun and then doing better on court. And you're super frustrating, resentful, and that's, that's terrible. But of course you need to be committed, but I think it's also important to, be, to do other things on the side, not risky activities that might get you injured 
but activities that stimulate your creativity and that help you to develop new skills. It can be a lot of players are musicians or they are doing other sports, again, that are not risky for their, for their tennis. And it, and it really is good because it also helps you to build your self-esteem in another way than just playing tennis. And, and, that's, and that all those skills that you develop are going to help you on the court. So that's something you might want to think about when you're parents or you, you're trying to see how you can help you, your child or as a coach. To try to say, okay, well, let's find something, you know, a different interest that can help you to just go there when, you know, when you're not playing and you have some time to rest and to, to develop other things and to make you also feel better. Then for coaches, I think that creativity must be really part of, a, uh, of, the, of the way, you know, you train, you train players because, uh, like I said, this, this generation is different. They, they, they want to be, I'm talking about young players, but I think everyone, actually, we all, all, all the time stimulated. We always want more because now everything is easy. So it's important that we always stimulate it so we don't get bored. And I think that incorporating new things uh, during practice can be doing practices like new drills, uh, different environment of training and different partners can, is a good way to, to show your players that you know, you're not just doing the same thing over and over. You have to repeat, but you can repeat things in a different manner. And also, one, one thing that I think is very important is to involve the player. A lot of times, players um, just rely on the coach and don't think by themselves. When you involve the player in the, in the training, you ask them to think about their games or to about drills, they start to think. And that's what you want. You want a player who's able to think because guess what? When they're going to be in a tough situation, if they are used to think, used to find solutions, there is a high chance that they're going to do better. So that's something that you can also implement. Another thing that I wanted to share is that a lot of times, you know, being on tour can be very lonely. It can be very difficult. You're away from home. Sometimes you're traveling by yourself. Sometimes you're traveling with a coach if you're lucky. And in, in for that case, if, if you are traveling with someone, you know, I think what's, what, what people are missing the most is home. Create. So I think what can be good is to create some routines within the life on tour because the, the routine tour can be pretty daunting. You, you come to the airport, you go to the club, you practice, you go to the hotel and, and that's it. And, but you want to do something a bit different. If, if you don't, if you like that, that's don't, don't bother. But if you don't like this, you might want to try different things such as uh, maybe going to different restaurants outside, trying a small activity. And again, you don't want to do, go anything. You don't want to go too crazy because we know that when you're in, we're playing tournaments, we want to stay focused, but just something that gets you a bit out. So you don't feel too lonely or too bad. And Roger Federer actually said that because he was, he was lucky to travel in many places uh, several times, he actually starting to have people in those area. So when he was traveling, he was able to catch up with some of those friends. And of course, he's Roger Federer and, you know, he traveled with his whole family and he can do whatever he wants. But try to find like routines that 
make traveling fun so you you don't have to deal with the negative aspect on tour and i think that's very um specific to everyone and again i, I was sharing how how when you have result-oriented goals it's difficult to move on and to and to set up new objectives and i think that and i've said that before the best way to do that is to is to be um, game oriented what do you want to improve in your games in your game what do you want to what how do you want to improve and that's how you actually can remain motivated because there's always something to improve and i i think that when you are results oriented um it requires a level of obsession that not many players are able to to do and to sustain in the long term well serena is was able to do that to always wanted to win more to be the goat she is the goat don't even get me started on the oh no she's 23 yeah she's the goat and and the same with um with novak djokovic always always wants to do more always wanted to be to to win more and and i think that he, he made it clear that um you know he fully committed to that to that obsession and 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 i mean all those guys you know regardless what they're saying that oh novak is the only one obsessed yeah okay but they all obsessed with winning and they and they made the sacrifices and that's why they are amazing in tennis legends because they are able to do that but not many players are doing that so that's why i think that having this improvement oriented mentality helps you to stay motivated and to be performing in the long term and last but not least uh you have also um the love of the game is also what can gets you going it's usually what got you started and i'm saying that and i want to talk about like two players specifically andy murray and venus williams because they had several injuries they could retire tomorrow i mean they did all of all of famers already but they're still playing and a lot of people are like but you're not number one in the world why do you keep playing and people don't get that and they say because i like it because i want to and 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 fed in in a certain extent is the same say well i want to come back yes at, at 41 because i still love the game and it's very hard for people because they're like okay but they're not winning anymore they're not number one why do they want to do it the love the their love of the game is more important than how people perceive them and that's something that i wanted to say because it's incredible i don't think i would be able to do it but they are because they they know better because they are they, they reach the level they know why they are playing they are doing it for themselves and and i think that is something very commendable and that's why they are tennis legends so i just wanted to, to throw them that in, in the mix because yeah the love of the game is a valid reason and um, then the question is like how much do you love the game to remain in it can you do you love the game enough to continue even when you don't have the results that's i think uh something you might want to ask yourself all right that's it for today i hope you enjoyed this episode like i said in the beginning if you liked it i would really appreciate if you could share it with a friend or a family member wherever and uh, don't forget to subscribe and i will talk to you next time bye